Hello, my sequestered and confined friends. Welcome to another episode, guys, Modern Day Sniper Podcast. I am Kalen Wojcik, and I am with you today with my host, Phil, and we are going to uh, talk about some stuff that is going to be kind of more of a philosophical topic today, kind of changing gears up a little bit. And uh, for those of you guys who are joining us for the first time, the Modern Day Sniper Podcast is... It's dedicated to discussing the most up-to-date and relevant information uh, that surrounds this lifestyle that we are on as uh, a journey on our way to becoming the best rifleman that we can be. And whether or not you're a military or law enforcement professional, a long-range shooting enthusiast, a hunter, uh, or a precision rifle competitor, you're listening to this show because you're dedicated to the craft. And like us, you are forever students on this truly endless journey of becoming the most well-rounded rifleman that you can be. So with that being said, um, Phil and I are going to chat with you today about um, some upcoming stuff from Modern Day Sniper that we're really excited about. And our topic, our main topic today is what does it take to be a sniper? And I think that that's uh, something that Phil's gotten a lot of questions uh, about. And I've also gotten a bunch of them too. Not so much. Uh, most people are asking about gear related questions and things. But um, with that being said, we have some really cool news coming from Modern Day Sniper. And this has been a long time coming. And we are finally releasing our online training program. And for those of you guys who are already signed up to our email list, you guys are going to get first crack at signing up and becoming a plank holder. And we're going to give you guys a little bit, bit of a deal. It's a 30% discount on the first course and are that only going to go out to our first 200 registrants. So you guys are going to become plank holders. There's going to be some benefits later on down the road. Um, for those of you who are plank holders and right now we have one, one paid paid content course on there and that's called the circle of components and we have two additional free courses on there um, that you will be able to have access to as well it's just going to cost you an email address and that way we can stay in touch with you and we have rifle safety which i'm fairly certain is going to ruffle some feathers but i don't really care because it's stuff that we need to discuss and talk about and um and and address so uh, we got that and we also have rifle cleaning and the way that we're going about this is different. A lot of people are like, well, there's just so much online training out there. <clears throat> and that's true. There is. There is a lot of online training out there. What is different about what we're doing is we're approaching this really systematically. And that's because that's how we teach. That's we teach in a systematic way. Um, you're going to be guided through a curriculum. And that curriculum is in place to help you um, follow a path, so to speak, with an end goal. Meaning like, yeah, YouTube University is out there. And I mean, honestly, like YouTube University is probably responsible for more impromptu fixes of broken shit out there than you could probably shake a stick at, right? Everybody's like, ah, just YouTube it. And is the information out there? It sure is, but it is literally scattered into the world of the interwebs. And one of our most important assets nowadays is time. And so what we're doing is we're consolidating all of this information into easy to digest courses. And the way that we're doing this in a systematic way, we're also giving you guys reference materials. So 
you're going to notice when you log in and you, and you see your dashboard and then you see the courses, you're going to have downloadable PDFs and checklists. Uh, that way you can build your own manual over the course of taking these classes. And, um, I'm pretty excited about it at the same time. You know, it's always, it's always nerve wracking to put yourself out there and it's, it's always nerve wracking to say, all right, man, this is my, these are, this is my brain. This is my product and this is what I think and I'm pushing it out to you guys. So from us being teachers slash instructors in this world, um, it's really, there's a lot of opinionated stuff out there. Wouldn't you say so, Phil? Oh yeah. There's a lot of, a, a lot of just, opinions um surrounding the um the art of long range shooting and just a lot of um bad gouge right guys that um have refused to evolve and stuff like that's something we talk about all the time um especially on our last podcast just a constant flow of regurgitation and what's great about youtube is obviously the access of information but the downside to youtube is now everybody's an expert right true just like this COVID stuff going on. Like yep. people are expert though. I didn't know that a lot of my friends were, um, doctors, medical professionals. <laughs> and whatever, there you go. Medical professionals, statistical um, professionals. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, the, the online training stuff is, I think we've, I think we've priced it very, very well. I think we've priced it appropriately. And, you know, we, we also want to limit your, the barrier for entry, right? So, uh, you know, as an example, you know, you can look at the cost of an online training program from us and say, all right, it's X dollars, but it's, it's right in line with what you're going to pay just in a, in a match registration fee, uh, for a weekend of shooting. Uh, we're going to try to keep it like right in that area. Um, and so as an example, our first curriculum, uh, the circle of components, it's five and a half hours of content. And the cool thing with the online program is that I'm not restricted to, uh, the amount of time that I can spend with you in an in-person rifle course, right? So if an, in, if it's an in-person rifle course, I have to really, um, kind of trim everything down and kind of cut a lot of corners that I wouldn't otherwise cut if I had an unlimited amount of time. And so that's what we've been able to create with this online training course is that we've broken it up also. So that way you can say, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about trigger control over here, or I'm going to learn about barrels over here. You know, I want to learn about rifle stocks or how to properly set up my rifle stock. And so that's what we've done with, with that program. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, we talk about this all the time, especially recently that you and I've been doing a lot of curriculum development. Um, well, especially with me and revamping the Gunworks Long Range University curriculum is that I don't have enough time that I want with the students to be able to uh, make them essentially comfortable, not where I want them to be at, at the end of, you know, two or three days of training. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to be definitely capable and comfortable, a lot more capable and comfortable than they were coming to the class. But they're still, again, you know, when you and I had done 13 weeks of, right, for three years of teaching, the same, same, same exact thing every single day. Um, now we're, you know, broken down into three days. It's like that five and a half hours of your, um, you know, uh, components class. I mean, I have to teach that in 
90 minutes or, or even less than that, an hour, right? Yep. Again, someone that's very new to long range, again, the very first start of him getting into it, he has to understand that it's just more than just a rifle, right? Mm-hmm. It's rifle ammo, uh, the barrel, the trigger, like all these things that go into the rifle system that make long range shooting. And then on top of that, the rifle scope, you know what I mean? Then that's a whole nother beast itself. So, you know, one thing that I can see the circle of components, like if I was getting into long range shooting, I mean, that would have, I would have loved to have had access to that all consolidated one piece of information rather than, you know, hopping over here and hopping different instructors, different, you know, teaching styles. Like, okay, I have this one guy that has, you know, credibility in his craft and he's teaching me kind of his, you know, art of long range shooting and his, his, uh, his, his idea of progression. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm doing it right now with uh, a, a few other courses that I've uh, signed up for. It's like, after I've started watching with him, guess what I've done? I've, I've pretty much just followed him on all his social media channels and I kind of just watch what he's doing. Uh, and this is with, uh, the videography and, and like, uh, um, you know, um, uh, what is that? What's the word I'm looking for? Like film company, Adobe, uh, yeah, the premier uh, pro. Yeah. The premier pro. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of watching his style, which I'm assuming a lot of people that follow us are doing the same thing. They're just kind of, uh, you know, using us as, um, a baseline to reference off of, yep. right. Rather than just picking and choosing from all these different styles. Yeah. And there's, we've talked about this a bunch, man. There's just, there's so many different ways to, to make this happen. There's so many different ways to, to skin the cat, so to speak. And we're, I'm not saying that our way is the high, the right way or the, or the wrong way. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it doesn't have to be that way. It's more along no. the lines of, you know, this, this is what is, I know works. This is what I know works, right? Number one. And this is the stuff that I wish that I would have had access to, yeah. um, to, to make sure that, um, that I was doing it the right way from the beginning, from the get go. Yeah. And so the other part of this is like, um, the, the fact that now you can, the fact that now you know where to, what to look for. And so, okay, cool. So I'm going to complete the, the circle of components class. I'm going to make sure my rifles dialed in, my scopes dialed in, it's tested. Now I know how to test my ammunition and some of this stuff for you guys that are, that are like, yeah, man, it's like all, I've already got that squared away. That's cool too. But at the same token, you can learn something from everybody. And I do learn something from everybody. And so like barrels, like we talk about barrels in here and I don't have to, I don't have to be limited by time as to how long we talk to you about barrels. You know, I'm, I'm not a barrel maker, but I've seen barrels made and I know what it, what it, what goes into making a barrel. And so that's just knowledge for you to be armed with, to have a deeper understanding of what's actually going on with your barrel when you shoot it out, like what's happening with your barrel when it comes to the point where it's shot out what are those determining factors and, and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's like, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm always hungry for information. So it's going to save a lot of people, a lot of money in the down, in the, in the, in the long run. Right. I mean, look at, there's a lot of people that I've talked to that have gone in this game that have invested into their money into the wrong thing that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, a year or two, a year, a year or two later, they just realized that, you know, they went the wrong route. And they can't even flip whatever they have. Right. So hold on yep. to it. Right. 
That's um, the, uh, so that's another thing to look at. It's like, it's like, all right, you're, you're essentially educating these, you know, individuals on, um, selecting the right components that fits their application. Yeah. Right. The, the hard part about this too, is that there is a lot of bias out there in, in the world. And, um, it's really difficult to be, to be a professional in this world of shooting and work. It's like, as an example, you're working with specific companies. Um, and it's really hard to not be super salesy with stuff. It's because that's not who I am. Right. I mean, any, but any of you guys who listen to stuff who know me, it's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm literally the farthest person from a salesman that you could possibly point a finger at. It's, it's more along the lines of trying to be as unbiased as possible and saying, okay, well, these are the features that I look for in a specific product. And if product A, it matches those features, um, or product B, C, or D, they all might match those features. Then it comes down to Chevy, Chevy Ford Dodge thing. It's like, hey, whatever makes you sleep well at night, I don't really care. But these are the features that you want to find, that, that you want to look for. And it's kind of, it's almost like a buying guide. Um, but uh, I just hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys gather from it. I hope you gain something from it. And, um, you know, we've got a whole slew of courses that are, we're about ready to release too. So this is just the first of many. Um, we have a uh, circle of components is available right now. Then we also are going to have fundamentals of marksmanship. That's going to be right on the heels of that probably within a week or so. Uh, Long range 101, which is going to be kind of like, we're doing this in a progression, right? So like, okay, you learn how to build your gun. Now we're going to teach you how to shoot your gun. Once you learn how to shoot your gun, okay, now we're going to learn how to shoot your gun at long range. We're going to explain to you what atmospheric conditions are, introduction to external ballistics, how to use a ballistic computer program, how to gather data, how to read wind on a basic level. And then we're going to build on that with positional shooting and um, more advanced wind techniques and, and stuff like that. So the goal is to create uh, online courses for every in-person course that we offer. So that way, you know, there's not a barrier to entry for a destination, destination based training course. And, um, the other thing that I'm really excited about is we've kind of slapped the table on, um, a monthly subscription service that we're going to release here very, very shortly, specifically for military and law enforcement sniper customers that are going to be talking directly focused on stuff that applies to your job. Um, and like, even with the circle of components clinic, you know, the topic that we're going to discuss today, um, what it takes to be a sniper, like a young sniper, this is information that I wanted to know about as, as being a young sniper, because I want to know like what's going on with that rifle. Like what makes that thing work? What makes that thing tick? And like, as an example, your background, Phil, you didn't come from a shooting background. Yeah. And so you're literally relying on everything that's in that publication to tell you the, the way, the truth and the light. And some of that stuff is super old and it's not oh, yeah. current. So I had it memorized down like the M40A3, right? I had all, all the, all the, you know, manufacturers memorized. Like plus, Ross, or minus, plus or minus 2,650 feet a second. Right. The overall length. It's or like plus or minus 50 feet a second. You know, how it's like, how's that applicable now? It's like, it's completely applicable for what I'm doing now because it, now that I look back at what I was taught, it's like, okay, you know, these are the select companies that essentially, um, one, they're, you know, that, that allowed PWS to, to assemble these rifles, right? Mm -hmm. McMillan stocks, Schneider barrels, um, the Schmidt Mender, you know, uh, milled out rifle scope, 
And uh, yeah, you know, I, I, but I, I think a lot of people don't realize that the M48 series rifle is the only issued sniper rifle to Marine Corps snipers. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's the um, uh, uh, the Mark 13 mm-hmm. and the M110 SAS. But, you know, back in the day, it was just the M48 one for you. Yep. You know, and then you fell on to SR25s and stuff like that. So, yeah. So that's, um, that's what we're doing guys. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, we are also looking at revamping. Uh, we're taking a real close look at our schedule this weekend and, uh, it's time to reorganize and restructure the remainder of 2020's training schedule as a result of everything that's been going on in the world and in the nation. And so you can expect us to have our training schedule ab- amended and reschedule replacing all those classes that we had to bump from March and April. And I really, everybody that's listening, that is a customer of ours, I greatly appreciate your patience. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's really important for you guys to know that it's, that it's at our highest level of priority that you feel comfortable with what it is that we're doing regarding our schedules. So we're very cognizant of your time, your money, and we're trying to make the best decisions that we can with the conditions and circumstances that we're dealing with. So thank you. So let's talk about what it takes to be a sniper. Dude, I've been, I've been kind of, you know, when to talk about this for a while, we, we, the first three episodes, we kind of talk about, um, you know, who we are and, and what we do. And then I'd say the last 15 episodes, we've kind of, talk really uh technical stuff uh with uh in regards to art of long range shooting um but recently i've been getting a lot of questions especially from younger generation um you know um, of my younger generation audience on instagram uh when they find out i I am a sniper because it's not like listed on my um my bio right it's like i don't have you know scout sniper it's just says i think long range enthusiast and then, you know, every now and then I'll post a moto sniper post or whatever the case is. And I think that's when they start to connect dots, which is good because I, it, it shows me that those guys are paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. I also have guys in my inbox to like, it's like, well, what did you do? Like, what's your background? Um, right. But you know, a question I've been getting a lot lately is like, Hey, Phil, um, you know, do you have any advice for me getting into, um, or, or do you have any advice for me on, taking the path of becoming a scout sniper and where to start. And for the longest time, I had a hard time answering that question mm-hmm. um, because like you said, I, I had no experience of shooting a bolt gun even prior to my service. And there was no aspirations. If you, if you listen to my first podcast of who I am, there was no aspirations of me wanting to be a sniper. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I kind of just fell into and r- I ran with it once you know, I was able to get selected and, you know, I eventually fell in love with the, the craft. Um, so it's always hard for me to, to really sit back and, and think like, okay, what did I do to prep for this journey that I'm on now? Right. You know, so it's like, how do I, how do I educate someone into that? But now that I've obviously did my 10 years and then not only did 10 years of being a scout sniper, but you know, uh, was the chief scout ran screeners and indo- indoctrinations. I know what it takes to select people. And then not only that, I was an instructor. It's like, okay, now I know what it takes not only to select people, but to, um, you know, uh, mold them and, and, uh, train them into becoming actual scout snipers. Yeah. So 
that's one uh, thing I want to talk about. It's a it's a good question, and it's one of those things that not, now looking back on in hindsight, <clears throat> you start looking at the first and foremost, like what is the infantry comprised of, right? So that's one thing that a lot of guys don't understand yet that you are an infantry Marine, right? You, whether you're in the Marine Corps or whether you're in the army, you, you're, you're an infantryman. And so that is a mindset all in and of itself. And I think the, I think the thing that people don't realize is that it's like they glorify this position when the reality of it is to be an infantryman, you're literally the hardest human being on the planet. Yeah. Um, when you start looking back at history, you look back at what, what is the infantry man capable of enduring? And if you look at the history of warfare, they, you know, the infantry lives in literally the most horrific conditions possible. Um, you're, you're out in the environment, you're out in the conditions, um, oftentimes without, um, an, uh, without enough of anything. You know, if you look at, I, I just remember like my, my grandfather fought in World War II. Um, he was with the 82nd Airborne. And I remember I came back from my Iraq deployment and he was, he was in tears and he was talking about how, how hard he thought we were. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, grandpa, like, dude, you fought at the battle of the bulge. Like <laughs> you fought in the Ardan forest, man. Like, you know, Fallujah was just uh, a walk in the park compared to that. I never was worried about running out of ammo. I was never worried about not eating for days and days on end. You know, we had a supply chain that was robust and capable of, of, of supporting our roles and our efforts. So it's a totally different mindset. And so for those of you guys who are out there that are asking yourself the question, is this for me? Well, you got to ask yourself the question, are you ready to be an infantryman first? Because that is really the true, that's what you are. And that's, that's the heart of what a sniper is. I mean, I, that could be, people could have differing opinions on that, but I think over the years, if it's anything that I've learned about my mistakes as a young man with unclear, um, an unclear view of what the true purpose was, the big picture was, yeah, you're an infantryman first, man. That's, that's what you do. Yeah. I, you know, again, and, and I think as I've become a little, when I first started getting this question, it was back when I was at the schoolhouse. That's when I first started kind of putting myself out there on Instagram and, and social media and um there was a lot of obviously stories and exposure of me actually being an active duty marine so that's when i get a, I got a ton of questions and i kind of uh, uh, um avoided them but you know now looking back and i've kind of just kind of sh structured my answer to them for the, those that I, i'm able to answer and um for those that haven't enlisted in the marine corps yet or the army you know i got i tell them straight up it's like hey man like it's like the only way to do that is you you have to be an infantryman right? There's no way around that. Like, you know, like if you're thinking about going admin and then trying to like, I don't know who you're talking to or if your recruiter is lying to you or whatever, but the only way to uh scout sniper basic course is having an O3 MOS that's in the Marine Corps side. I'm sure it's the same thing in the, on the army side, right? It's 11 Bravo, right? 
yeah. I believe, um, the designator. So, you know, you have to have an O3 and MOS. Um, but uh, the, the next thing that I would say, you know, I think a lot of people so are so focused around the shooting aspect of becoming a scout sniper. Yeah. Right? They're like, hey, what are the things that I need to do to prepare to go to scout cyber school? Guess what? Your instructor is going to teach you all that, right? They're going to they're going to teach you how to be successful at um, this the schoolhouse as long as you are um, obviously talented and and uh, you know have are very receptive and stuff like that, which most most students generally are when they come by the time they're at the end of that pipeline. But to me it doesn't end at scout sniper school, right? It's like, you know, when you ask me that question, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, that I'm going to give you an answer that like, I, I want you to know that if you are joint uh, about to start on this path that, you know, you are going to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk even after graduation date, right? It's not just a shirt insert to me at least. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, so this is one I of think, those things that you, you got to start talking about, okay, like, what does it mean to be a volunteer? Yeah. Yep. And, and that's a big, that's a big thing for, for me as well, like on the law enforcement training side of the house, because I think that that is very lost in translation. Yep. It's like, once you, once you punch that ticket and you're like, boom, done. Okay, cool. So now I'm this, right. I hold this title. And what people don't understand is that this is not something that you can just be one and done and, yep. and pop the ruck straps out, the ruck strap off when when the really the hard work the true work begins begins right, right after that like it's, right as soon as like you hear it every single time once you graduate once you get selected to the platoon it's like hey that five day screener or two week whatever how long it was it's like. I was like, you think that's tough? Guess what? Like the real work starts now. Yes. Because you know your workup is a slay fest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and workup for those guys, you know, workup is pretty much your uh, training prior to your deployment, right? It, it, for the Marine side, when I was in the operational, uh, the um, op tempo was you know 12, 12 months stateside doing training, and then seven to eight or seven to nine month deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in the, in the army, it's a little different, but that's how the, uh, the tempo was for uh, the Marine side, at least the, the thing with being a volunteer, and this doesn't hold true just to our experiences either, man, this holds true, whether you're going to be a reconnaissance Marine, uh, whether you're going to go be a seal, whether you're going to go be a ranger or a green beret, um, or progressing beyond even, even the SOCOM level and start getting into the JSOC level those selection processes are in place to simply make sure that you have the mental, physical, and emotional fortitude to be able to uh, conduct yourself in a professional manner under a severe amount of duress and stress. And so that's like what it's, that's what a selection is. And I think uh, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of them ran, like a lot of selections ran and And, uh, like, I don't believe that a selection should be, I think it should test your cognitive abilities, but at the same time, like, I just want to see whether or not you're a good candidate in the, in the realm of, are you going to, are you going to quit? Like, are you going to, are you going to give up when it gets hard? And that getting hard means, are you going to give up when there's an academic challenge? Are you going to give up when, 
it's midnight and you just finished writing a patrol order, but yet you still have to study for three quizzes in the morning, what choice are you going to make at that point? What are you going to do? Are you going to choose to take to, to, to crush the easy button and, and grab some Z's and gamble on whether or not you retain that knowledge? Or are you going to hit your note cards for another you know couple hours and make sure, make damn sure that you are going to pass? And that is the difference. That's, that, is what, that is when we're screening individuals. Those are the traits. Those are the attributes, the personality traits that we're looking for. We're looking for somebody that has the highest amount of fortitude that you can possibly have. And, and fortitude, the definition of fortitude is basically continuing to put forth effort even under austere conditions. It's pushing through the uncomfortable, whether that be a mental thing or... Yeah, and, and, and I mean... I mean, as we're talking now, it's like we haven't brought up anything about shooting it, right? It's like oh. we're just talking about the mental aspect of, you know, understanding what you're asking for when you, you when you're asking me that you want to join this lifestyle. It's like, okay, the very first thing that you need to ask yourself is, are you mentally capable of handling this lifestyle and this job, right? Um, you know. Uh, one thing um, that I read in a book called Relentless uh, by uh, Tim Grover, he was the um, uh, he was a trainer for Michael Jordan. Um, but mm. uh, one of the quotes that I, I stuck with me uh, that is super applicable to you know what we do and who we select is the true measure of an individual is determined by what you can't measure, the intangibles. Anyone can measure height, weight, physical strength, speed, but you can't measure commitment, persistence, or the instinctive power of the muscle in your chest your heart man it's like that that hits home dude when like once i know especially have the screener that you are able to complete all these xyz tasks right like i know i can train you at that point it's like now we worry about marksmanship and fundamentals and stuff like that but before that it's like i want to know like you said i want to know if you're going to quit when i put you through some heinous shit and one thing when I was in um, the scout cyber platoon, you know, when I was, a, it's so funny. It's like it, uh, you go in phases of maturity as a, as a, um, once you become a sniper, right. When you get back to the platoon, all you want to do is fucking slay pigs. Again, for those that are listening, pig stands for professionally instructed gunman. It is a Marine that is in a scout sniper platoon that has not been through a uh, formal scout sniper training and hasn't graduated. <laughs> so you could, you could have attended uh, scout sniper training, or basic course, but if you fail, then you're still, you're still technically a pig. Right. Uh, but anyways, usually when you're a freshly minted hog, which is hunter of gunmen and graduate of scout cyber basic course, you know, like all you see is red, right? I mean, it's just the, the cycle of the beast. You just want to slay pigs because that's exactly what you got when you were coming up in the ranks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... as I became to mature, right. It's like, I realized like slaying these dudes ain't going to do anything. Like I need to fucking train them. And, um, I was like, you know, I met, uh, um, he now master, master, I think he's the master guns Sullivan. And, uh, you know, he was like, we structured this indoctrination around realistic based training. And Cody did a very great video, um, of leadership the other day, yeah. right. Of putting your Marine, the Marine, uh, Marines through realistic, what was it? Realistic and hard and hard <laughs> training. Yep. Um, and that's what we did. And we let the training itself essentially work 
those candidates rather than filling in with extra bullshit like flutter kicks or, you know, other dumb shit, right? Um, that most probably screeners um, are, are put with, you know, with brandly minted hogs that all, all they want to do is slay slugs or candidates, whatever you guys want to call them. Mm-hmm. So you can take something as simple as, as land navigation. I remember oh, thinking dude. to myself when I was going through it as a, as a young, as a young guy going, that's what, what, what is this all about? Like, okay, fine. I'm going to walk this fucking line. I'm going to go find this point. That's like buried in a manzanita bush. I'm going to spend more time looking for the goddamn thing than I am probably walking there because they hide them. And you, you think about that and you're like, okay, what is this accomplishing? And when you're young and you don't have that perspective yet, because you don't understand what the, what the, the, the overarching goal is. Look, man, I put 80 pounds of shit on your back and I make you walk around the Hills and say, all right, you have four points to, to, you have four land navigation points to make it to and not miss drop dead time. So that in of itself, just that little bit of, of four hours, it's ingraining so much inside of you as a candidate that you don't even see at that point in time. You don't really truly see what's being evaluated. And that's, and and what, what is being evaluated is your fortitude. What's being evaluated is your ability to, to plant your ability to understand what your limitations are. Time management. It's time management, looking at your points and going, okay, man, I have, I got 10 clicks to cover by far this point is 10 clicks. So that means I got to haul ass and run and be damn sure that I make really good, careful route selection to hit that point. So that way I can get the other three on my way back and make it for the drop dead time. And so all of those things are, it just seems super mundane, but in the, in the reality of it is, is, is how much do you care? How much do you want it? Like what, what is, what are you willing to go through to get to that goal? And that's something that can't be taught guys. Like that is something that can't be taught. That's why those screeners are there. They're there to see if you got it. And, and if they're well ran, like Cody was talking about in his, in his video, um, if you guys haven't followed Cody, Cody Carroll yet, I would highly encourage you to do so. Hit him up on Instagram. It's misfit six sends. Um, Cody has probably one of the craziest, most diverse backgrounds that I've ever seen in the military. And he's an OG dude. He's an OG man. And it's like, he's, we are peers in terms of like our timeline, but Cody has far surpassed myself and leadership capabilities as experience level and different things. And, and, uh, you know, he's got combat deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq and, um, he's done a lot of stuff and he's been a, he's been a leader the whole time. Like, I think it's 20, we both came in in 1997. So he's coming up on 23 years. He's about to retire. So, and all of that time has been spent the majority of it with the exception of his first four years has been spent as a, uh, as a, either, uh, an infantry officer or a reconnaissance Marine or, um, a member of a uh, of an operational detachment alpha with uh, a reserve special forces group. So crazy career, but misfit six sends Cody listen. I mean, he's, he's always very pragmatic. He's very practical and um, he's like a modern day MacGyver, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. seriously. That's a good way to put it out. Yeah. Uh, dude, 100%. Every, every time he speaks, man, I don't give a shit what he's talking about. I just, I just listen. 
and I listen to him because I learned something from him. And you talk to Cody and he'll say, and I always ask him because he's been through every school possible, literally every school known to man and every school he goes to, he's always the honor man. He's always got the leadership award. And you ask him, I was like, Hey man, what was like, literally what was the hardest school that you've been through? And he says, honestly, Marine Corps infantry officers course. And that really kind of, that was really surprising to me when I found out about that. And I was like, dude, tell me why, what's up with that. And for those of you guys who don't understand the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps infantry officer program is really hardcore. And that program is, is put together based upon, you know, legacy after legacy after legacy of, of, of leadership in the Marine Corps. And, and those guys that come out of infantry officers course, they're studs. They're studs both in their, their physical studs. They are um, highly competitive. They are very, very proficient in all forms of weapon systems, um, all forms of attacks, ambushes, defense, like they're gangsters when it comes to that stuff. And, and they should be because they're leading infantry Marines and you are leading, you are leading people that are truly you're fucking savages. Like that's what you, that's who you are as an infantryman. You are a savage and, and you have to have appropriate leaders to be able to manage and lead a bunch of savages. And uh, you're living in the most austere conditions that you could possibly live in. Okay. Like, look at, look at world war one trench warfare. Like you can't even fathom that you literally cannot fathom what it's like to have your feet rot off of your legs knowing that any day you could go over the top and get shot in the face. A sniper. But yeah. Like, and so that's the life that you live and, you know, being an infantry Marine is, or an infantryman period. And regardless of what you do, uh, it's, you are the hardest person on the planet and you have to, you got to look at it from that perspective. You know, going back to, um, you know, we were talking about land nav and as, as simple as land navigation might sound, it's, it's a, it's a basic, it's a basic necessity for being an infantryman, right? So like the very first thing that is tested, at least to my knowledge, um, it, it was still when I was going through the schoolhouse and when I went through school, the very first thing that you're tested on when you get to, um, scout cyber basic course is your ability to land nav with a map and compass, mm-hmm. right? Um, and again, like you said, you know, as mundane as that might sound, it's like, oh, that's easy. It's like when, cause I remember when I was on land nav, um, and it, it, it took a few land navs for it to really click. But I remember the first couple that I wasn't successful on, I remember getting to my point and be like, I don't know where the fuck this thing's at. <laughs> and right. You're like, you're trying to like manage time. And mm-hmm. You're like, okay, my instructor told me not to be here longer than 30 minutes before moving on to the next one. Right. right. And then fucking two hours later doing fucking zigzags. <laughs> I got to find it, man. <laughs> yeah, I got to find this. No, I'm fucking here. Right. But the, the, the emotional burden it has on you when you don't find your fucking point and then to be able to, to push through that. Right. It's like that, that is something that is not measurable. Okay. Yeah. And you know, when you guys come back and they're unsuccessful, successful and you're like, well, what, what the fuck happened? You know, what do you, what, you know, when they're like, Oh, I just couldn't find my point and I didn't listen to your instructions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and, uh, people not making drop dead times or, or even fucking students cheating. 
right? It's like mm. that's that's another thing that 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 gets me is is you know people you know get all the way and another thing that uh, being a volunteer it's like by the time you get to the scout sniper basic course you have been through so many uh, screeners and you know voluntary like assessments of like hey this is something that I want to do no one has a gun to your head and like hey this is what you're gonna do you know yeah. what I mean it's not like the draft right it's like all right you told the recruiter you want to be an infantryman you got to your unit and you were like, Hey, I want to join the scout cyber platoon. You got selected. And then, you know, they told you, Hey, you're going to go to scout cyber school. So at that point, it's, it's four different selection processes before actually getting to the, the basic course. Yeah. Right. And then now you're going to have the audacity to throw that all away by cheating. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things that we definitely, definitely um, there's a difference between getting over and then cheating. And we always have that. There's always that, that saying, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> and if you get caught cheating, you ain't trying hard enough. Um, have we all tried to get over? Sure. We've all tried to get over. Oh yeah. Um, but there's a way to do that and there's a way not to do that. And so oftentimes I think being a civilian now and trying to just trying to talk to people about what it means to, to, to have like the burden of command, so to speak, or, and, and to be able to say, I'm about to ask these men to go do something that will most likely get them killed. Yep. And that is truly, when you put it to people like that, they look at you like, holy shit. Okay. I get it now. This is not a game. Like this is not something, this is not something that's from a Hollywood movie that is glorified. This is not something, this is real stuff, guys. This is real shit that what it means to have discipline in the infantry means knowing for, you could know for a fact that accepting this order right now, I, I could, I am expendable. I'm an expendable asset and you need to be, you need to be cool with that. Yeah. Because that's the way it is, man. And like a, a battalion commander that looks at a, at a strategic situation that says, okay, I need, I need first platoon from India company to push over here and establish a base of fire to do this, to support this, this attack or what have you. Well, that obviously it's not, we're not trying to, to make a bad decision, of course, but at the same time, there could be situations where that has to happen. And if you look back in history, commanders made those choices all the time and yeah. people, you're an expendable asset, man. Like that's something that you really truly have to come to grips with when you, when you make that choice to go into that profession. And it's really hard for you to do that as a young man. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible for you to truly really grasp that. And even now at 40 years old, like I'm, you know, you start to grasp like, whoa, okay, this is fucking serious. Oh, dude. I, I mean, think about 22, 23 year old sergeants, sometimes even 21, right. Are making decisions on the battlefield, um, in which they are, they are advising commanders who have had more time in service than them, than being alive right on um you know battle space and maneuvering stuff like that um i mean the burden that falls on that young scout sniper is it's huge right so it's like you know you i mean your level of maturity for sure has to be up there right uh and i'm glad you you, you talked about the infantry and, and this is something that i really am really passionate about also t teaching 
or telling these individuals that want to become scout snipers. It's like, I was like, the very first thing that you have to also look past is this, the title of scout sniper, because, um, if you, you know, you are first and foremost, that we talked about an infantryman first Mm -hmm. in order for you to be a good scout sniper, you have to know how the infantry operates because at the end of the day, that's all we're supporting. We are, we are support for the infantryman for the guy on the X. It's like, you are no longer the main effort, you know what I mean? As a scout sniper. And you need to realize that. Yeah. We might be hunting bodies and fucking putting, um, you know, uh, you know, putting dudes down, but it's like, we are there to support, the 0311 that is moving to the X, mm-hmm. right? And the only way to do that is by understanding how the infantry works. And, you know, I, I was a stay baby by trade, right? And I, and I, I'm, you know, looking back, it's like, as much as I'm glad that I was, I wish that I would have done a uh, deployment with an infantry platoon so I could have a better understanding of the infantry before I became a scout sniper. Mm-hmm. Because, when I was a state baby, I was kind of just, I mean, it was just the blind leading the blind really. I mean, I was just following my team leader, right. And, and on the patrol and you know, we get, I got my radio checks and stuff like that. But like when I was observing the battle space, I didn't know what the fuck I was looking for. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we got a range guard, all that stuff's built, but I didn't know how to report certain information that might be successful for maybe a squad leader to be yeah. able to know on the, on the battlefield. I didn't know that stuff until after I actually attended infantry squad leaders course prior to me going to scout sniper basic course for my second right. death. And we used to look at those courses as being lame and just be like, nah, it's fucking lame. I ain't going to do that. They're yeah. grunts, man. And it's like, no dude, you are missing. You're literally missing the point and you're not, it's very difficult to, um, to, to communicate that. And, and, you know, I'm going to throw like, I'm going to put myself out here right now. Like, I was a pain in the ass when I was a young sergeant. That was a huge pain in the ass. Um, my mouth got me in trouble quite a bit, and um, I, I will I will remember this for for forever. And I will continue to teach. I'll continue to use it as a teaching point. And um, the the most profound ass chewing that I ever received was from uh, was from Robbie Reedsma. And he was my platoon sergeant. And I was basically bitching about the fact that we had to integrate my platoon or our platoon as snipers into the headquarters company's, you know, firewatch schedule on board a ship. And um, I didn't, I just didn't understand the big picture. I didn't understand what was going on. And I didn't understand that, like, you're not special. Like, you, you are special. You have a special skill and you have a special um, you have the ability to problem solve. You have a lot of specialized skills, but you're still part of a main effort. You're still a part of a group and you're still a part of a team. And that's really difficult for people to understand when they're young and they're just full of fire and they want to just go out and, and do sniper shit. And man, he fucking laid into me and, and at the time I was like, I, Robbie was always a super mellow guy um, awesome platoon sergeant, super knowledgeable, but man, he laid into me and I totally deserved it. I totally deserved it. And I should have had that humble pie shoved in my face a long time ago, a long time before that. But that truly was a pivoting point in my career to go, okay, you're being a jackass and you need to, you need to realize what's happening around you. And that was before I became a, a, an instructor. 
And so that gave me a lot of perspective in that one moment because um, it was humble, it was humbling, and it was kind of like obviously you come anybody that comes away from an ass chewing that's worth its salt, you're like, okay, well, (laughs) you might not think you deserved it at the time, but but you but I sure I certainly did, and and it was um, it was an eye opening experience, and it changed the way my leadership style was after that. It gave me a lot of um, obviously increased my level of respect for Robbie. And, um, you know, we still, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I can, I guarantee I could pick up the phone with him right now and, and, and laugh about that situation. Um, but guys, when you're thinking about doing this sort of thing, there's, it's definitely a mindset. It's definitely a lifestyle. It's definitely a, um, an all-encompassing thing that you have to be willing to give to give a hundred percent of everything you got to get this done. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, your selection's probably going to weed you out. Number one, and if your selection doesn't weed you out, you're probably going to get to a point where if you don't want to do this stuff, you're not going to suffer through it. I I, I promise it, it won't happen. Like hopefully your training, the training that you're going to go through, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, I've, I've not been through buds, but I've spoken to many people that have, and that's specifically designed to make sure that you can stay the course. And that's really all a selection supposed to do is to teach you how to stay the course. Yeah. I mean, again, looking at the references uh, in today's generation for snipers, right? You look at um, Chris Kyle's movie, American Sniper. You look at uh, all Marky Mark shooter movie. Um, and then, you know, Tom Berenger's snipers. Um, and then, you know, you always get that Hathcock reference, Chuck Mahaney. Um, but it's like it, what Hollywood portrays, right, is, is nothing near what you do in a scout sniper platoon. Yeah, it's pretty saddening, actually, man. It's right. really, it's disheartening. Um, and 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 those that have been on, you know, um, operations and stuff like that, you know, they probably can speak to having experiences that is seen on Hollywood. Um, but that is probably ten percent of their time, right, of them being scout snipers, and probably the most highlight uh, part of their life. Um, but it's the other ninety percent, right? That again, that you have to stay the course once you're in that moment. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the times that you are sitting on a fucking objective with nobody there yet. You're supposed to be reporting on fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And balls freezing temperature. And then you find out that, Oh, you've been extended for two days and your resupply got canceled. (laughs) Right. Oh, and then, and then they want you to pick up and move another fucking five clicks somewhere else. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Those are the things, those are situations that those selection events are going to test you in your ability to do. And, and stay focused. So, um, the other thing that just because you're meeting physical goals or physical, um, benchmarks, don't think that you're not being evaluated on your body language, your emotional stability, um, your, um, your personality traits, things like that. Like those are all be, everything is a test everything is a test. And like, I don't care. Like you could, you could make every single physical 
accomplishment. You could be a, you could be a PT stud, you could crush everything, but if you're an asshole and we all have to work with you in close proximity and you have to integrate yourself into a team. And if you're just a straight asshole to everybody, it's like, man, sorry, like, no, nah, that's not what we're looking for. And people are like, well, I made every, I passed everything. It's like, well, sorry, dude. Like, I mean, that's when you get into like the JSOC level of, of things and you start, you start talking to people about those types of selections, they go through peer evaluations weekly and you are held accountable. You are held accountable for everything it is that you do because those situations, that, that cohesiveness has to be there in order for you to function truly as a team. And so like a lot of times, um, I've, I've listened to people that have cadre selections for like, uh, for SF or for MARSOC and, and like land nav, it's like literally you just, you're, you're land navin and you, sh- you see a tent and you, you show up at the tent and there's a dude inside the tent. And the only thing that his sole purpose in life is to give you a route card and observe every single thing it is that you do when you receive that route card. Now you could receive that route card and you could look at it and go 16 clicks in three hours. <laughs> ain't happening, Sarge. <laughs> that ain't happening. And they're going to evaluate your reaction to that information and see exactly what you're going to do with it. Are you going to look demoralized? Are you going to um, look frustrated? Are you going to, or are you just going to go, in your brain, you're just like, Hey man, I, like there is no physical way possible for me to accomplish that. But this is, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that that's what I have to do. So let's just go do it. And you plot your point and you, and you start off and the story is gone where the cadre calls you back and then hands you the real route card and says, this is where you're really going. And they're just there to evaluate your personal level of accountability, your personality, everything. Um, like, uh, I was, I knew, I knew a commanding officer in the Marine Corps, uh, Colonel, Colonel Coates, like he was so big on being a ranger that he was, uh, he was the man responsible for creating uh, MARSOC, uh, MC SOCOM debt one. And that was like literally the fledgling. That was the, the birth of Marine Corps special operations command that we see it today. And Colonel Coates, was huge on being a ranger and he was also the ceo of first force recon company and if you were not if you were in a if you were not a ranger ranger qualified you were not in any type of leadership or role whatsoever he would just be like nope going to ranger school and ranger school is just it's a leadership school i haven't been but i've spoken to many people that have and it's all it is is a gut check and it's a leadership school and he was super big on it and if you didn't have it then and every single person of debt one was a ranger, <laughs> every single one of them. So like things like that, th- those, because in his mind, in Colonel Coates's mind, he would look at that and say, well, that's the baseline. Ranger school is the baseline. I know the product that is going to come from that school. And those are the traits and attributes that I want in my unit that I want my men to have. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you look at, um, I think I might be speaking on a term, but from my understanding, like stuff like ranger school, right? Some, sometimes you can just volunteer to attend ranger school and there's mm-hmm. really no uh, process to, you know, get screened for. It's like you show up and it's like, 
you know, for some people when they attend ranger school, it's like, that's their like biggest gut check period. You know, uh, I know that a lot of, a lot of recon Marines that I know that have attended a few, uh, snipers. I mean, at that point in their career, they had already been through, um, you know, shit. So for them, it was just another, uh, school to just be educated in, right. Um, ranger tactics and stuff like that. And like you said, leadership, you know what I mean? So, something to keep in mind is like for, for people that already have the mental fortitude to know what they're capable of, like that school is there just to elevate their, you know, their, um, leadership style and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. That school isn't designed for the, to, to break people that already have, um, you know, like I said, a strong mental, um, background. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, whereas, screeners that you know scout sniper platoons hold and stuff like that that is that i mean really that's all that is meant for right it's like i am there to freaking break you um or find ways to break you to see what when you will fold and what type of pressure is gonna um make you fold mm-hmm. um just to just just to know just so that i know that you're able to you know when we're alone and afraid we got a bunch of shit on our bullshit on our back that you're not going to quit on us, you know, um, when, when shit gets too hard. Right. Um, so, you know, kind of hopefully this somewhat answers, you know, like what does it take to be a, a scout sniper? Cause I think most guys are they're when they ask me that question, I think they're, they're anticipating a response of like, Hey, this is the stuff that you want to look for, for shooting. This is, you know, right. um, you know, this is what you want to uh, focus on. It's like, man, if you don't even have to, you don't even have to touch a bolt gun to be a really good scout sniper. Really. Like you'd be a good shooter. And once you, you know, pick up that craft, like, you know, get on you. But really the other like 90% of the, what we do is, is what I want to essentially prepare you for. Right. If you ask me that question, um, you know, so you're, you like you said, you have to be physically fit. That's, I mean, that's a no brainer. Right. So like you said, you can make physical benchmarks, but if you're not a team player, and you're an asshole. Guess what? It's like you're 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 off. Uh, and then another thing is um, everything's a competition. That you you, uh, you heard that a lot in the community. Um, it pays to be a winner because you know one thing to keep in mind. Once you you know, let's say if and when you get selected to be a part of the scout sniper platoon or in the army of the sniper platoon, uh, I know also in the army they have limited school slots available. So you know you get eight dudes in the platoon that year. Well, guess what? Your unit only has three slots to go to cyber school. Mm-hmm. And those other, you know, five or out of all eight, all you guys are peers. You guys, you know, did SOI together. You guys did boot camp SOI together. Well, guess what? Now you're competing against those, um, your peers to fight for those three slots to go to scout cyber school. Well, how the hell are you going to do that? You yeah, got to show figure it out seniors that, you are the bet, the better man to attend one of those slots. Well, and, and they're very coveted, right? It's there's, there's only so many slots that are available. Um, it's very, very competitive. And so, you know, I have a different outlook on competition than some, than some people do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm only in it to, and I, these are lessons that I learned anyways from, yeah. from being, uh, in that situation. I'm only competitive with myself. Um, and my own person, like if this is the, if this is the standard, okay, like I've got the standard established my, I'm competing with myself to meet and exceed that particular standard. 
I don't care if there's three or four other dudes that do the exact same thing. Like, I don't like, that's not, that's not what I care about. What I care about is how well did I do? And in comparison to that particular standard. And so it it will rise, man. It will rise. Like if you are doing this for the right reasons, if you are, if you're, if your heart is in the right place and your goals are in the right place, it won't like, if you're, if you're so competitive and you're so savage in that competitiveness that you're screwing other people, that's not cool either. Like, so there's a balance to this. There's a balance to working hard and being super competitive to be able to, to achieve the goals that have been set forth for you. But there's also another part of that. That's like you, you have to be able to, to separate that and still work as a team while being competitive with yourself. And that's, that, that's not easy to do. That's a, that's definitely not easy to do it. At least in my opinion, anyways, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, it's not. I mean, I, that's a good way to put it. Right. And, and I think for me, because, um, I wasn't the, the strong, I wasn't the most physically gifted, right. In, in my platoon, um, especially when I got selected to the screener. So I felt like I was always proving to figure out ways to be better than the rest of my peers, right? Because I, in the physical aspects of my, you know, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, like I, I wasn't running 300 PFTs. I couldn't freaking run an 18 minute three mile with a ruck on my back, right? It's like some of these freaking studs could do. But what I was able to do was, you know, um, obviously meet the standard to the best of my ability and, and obviously still above that. Um, but you know, separate myself in terms of, um, academics, right. Of, you know, um, being on the radio and as shitty as that might sound, it's like, you know, being a radio operator was like, honestly, being a radio operator, I feel like starting that as in my career as a, a, a scout sniper, um, member in a team, uh, is what set me up for success because of the, the, uh, level of patience that I had to have and endure being a radio operator is just fucking un, like unbelievable. Right. I mean, I remember sometimes spending fucking four hours just trying to program a one seventeen to for two one seventeens to be able to talk to each other. Right. And then three or four. Um, and then <laughs> just, just so that when we get out there, there's still no calm. Well, right? you can't, and, yeah, you're, and then we're trying to work through that problem <clears throat> and then trying to, tell my team leader, like, Hey, have the confidence be like, Hey, we got no calm or Hey, we got calm or if we don't have calm, this is what we got to do next. You uh, know what I mean? We're about to miss a calm window. Sarge. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah. Cause if you can't communicate your reliability immediately. <clears throat> so, and that really got driven home to me as a being a, you know, um, the test of combat, like that is a very, very real and sickening thing to either a have a team out that can't, that doesn't have calm in a combat environment or B being a team out that can't get calm. Um, neither of which are desirable places to be. Um, you know, that's something else that you guys gotta, gotta understand too. Like the old school days of like running around two men sneaking through the jungle, you know, shooting dudes from you know, hide sites and bugs crawl over you and all this, all this other shit that you're shitting in your pants. Yeah. But what is real is when you step off from friendly lines and it is literally you and three other dudes 
and you know that you're the nearest friendly position is like 10 clicks away. Yeah. That shit is real. Like you, everything changes at that point in time. Or when you're coming back into friendly lines and you know, the fucking homeboys on post, right? Yeah. And, they want to shoot you. You don't have calm. It's like, Holy fuck, dude. I hope my homeboy that yeah. is, you know, like hasn't got none and is on that 240 right now. doesn't let one rip. Exactly. Over and, us. And, and that's also a very real thing because, um, you, when you, when you do ex, when you do that, especially like as a team leader in a, or in a leadership role in any, any leadership role, you start to really poke holes in everything. And you're like, that's not going to work. That's not, that's definitely not going to work. We need to fix that. We need to fix that. And every time, you know, you're, when you're, when you're on a patrol like that, <clears throat> if you're in a leadership position, what you should be doing is constantly going, okay, if I receive contact here, what am I going to do? If I receive contact here, what am I going to do? What happens if I receive contact trying to cross this large open danger area really fast, you start to evaluate things like, where's my kid at? Can I run? Can I physically run to survive? Because when you're a four man team, that's <clears throat> you, <laughs> you learn really fast that like you truly are alone and, and try to be unafraid. But the reality of it is, is like, I don't want to have nothing to do with you guys over there. <laughs> like You stay over there. I'm going to stay over here. Security for me, security is concealment. You know, I, I cannot let anybody know where I'm at because I'm not big enough to fight on my own if I come up against a sizable enough force. And so a lot of that stuff, it's fear management. It's, um, it's having confidence in your abilities and your it's confidence in your training. And like, these are all very real things that you have to think about if you're making this choice to yep. get into this profession. Oh yeah. Um, and that's another thing that people don't really talk about. Like I remember going through basic stuff and going, Oh, you're going to have a hundred pounds on your back and you know, you're going to be on patrol. Well, nobody, because my, my senior guys had not been in combat to, to be able to drive home what it's going to mean. If you truly, what it means, if you take contact with a hundred fucking pounds of shit on your back, that literally, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. And now that we've had the ability and, and believe it or not, man, like it, my combat experience was 15 years ago. Yeah. 15 years ago. So much has changed. So much has evolved. And, and so like, my experience, I, I try to just basically focus that on the core, um, not necessarily like tactics or TTPs or anything like that, but like what is human performance in those situations? Because that is the factor that will not change. That's the factor that's always going to be there. That's the factor that's, that's, that's always going to be under the surface regardless of where tactics have elevated to or, um, weapon systems or communication, any, it's the human factor that is always going to remain the same. And so, um, we can become has-beens really fast when it comes to talking about this stuff because of your, your, your experience and re regarding tactics. Yeah. But the overall human experience is not going to change the no, same I think things. The same things yep. that my grandfather dealt with are the exact same things that an infantryman in 2020 are going to deal with. You ever watched the Pacific? 
Have I, I have watched Pacific. Yes. Dude. when I watched that, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, what, like the, the media connection just was, I mean, just Marines being Marines, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the mentality and the fuckery hasn't changed. Nope. Even changed. Right. 70 years later um, or 60 years later. And, and like, and, and that's what, why I was able to connect. Right. And, and, uh, you know, watching that series, right. Really hit home with like, like the combat experience that those guys went through is, I mean, like, I feel like my, my shit's a blimp compared to what they were exposure to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, it's, it's unreal. And yeah. And, and I think that's what we're talking about. I think, you know, understanding the human aspect of your decision, right. That, that hasn't changed throughout the years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, cause you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, like, you know, what scout soccer are doing right now. I think more or less you and I understand, uh, what it takes to um, select someone and what it takes to be a part of that uh, position. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Wholeheartedly. Um, because it wasn't just, I mean, for us, it wasn't just a, it, it wasn't just a check in the box. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when, when I became a chief scout, like it wasn't a check in the box for my resume of doing now. Like if one of the things my, my if, if I look back at my, um, my billets, I would say I would put being the chief scout over being a scout cyber instructor um, mainly because of my ability to lead Marines, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, be able to mold and shape the training, how I saw fit, you know, not necessarily, you know, just running off of the training based off of, uh, how the Marine Corps wanted me to, you know what I mean? Um, not only that, I was able to have my Marines for, you know, uh, 12 to 16 months and, you know, I was able to mentor them and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, we all still stay pretty good friends today. And, and for me, that's one of the biggest things that I miss about, uh, the Marine Corps is just being able to lead a team uh, and mentor them um, uh, through that, uh, just through the Marine Corps, right? Because there's a lot of little things that, you know, um, obviously that we all don't miss uh, that you still, you know, as a, as a 24, 25-year-old sergeant trying to teach a 20, 21-year-old Lance Corporal, like, hey, like, we're Marines first, right? Because you know, when you're 19, 20, 21, and you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. It's like, <laughs> you, don't it's like get, you don't get anything. We're fucking cowboys. It's like, <laughs> I get it. We're fucking cowboys, but you know, we still got to play the game. And, and, and that's a whole nother podcast and <laughs> stuff. I think I want to definitely talk about like, okay, you're in a scout side platoon. How do, how do I, you know, another question that, you know, I've always wanted to kind of answer is, or talk about it. It's like, okay, I'm in a scout side platoon. How do I set my platoon up for success with my battalion? Right. And that's a whole another podcast in itself. And that might be selected to a few individuals, right. Of our, right. of our audience. Uh, but I, I, for me, that's very important message to have because, uh, I felt like I was very successful on my last deployment before I became an instructor of being when I was a chief scout, uh, because I had a really great relationship with our battalion commander and, and, um, our sergeant major. And I mean, our, our, uh, battalion commander was no pushover. He was a silver star recipient, um, in Ramadi. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Colonel Bronzy and probably one of the most influential leaders that I, I will ever have the privilege of working under. Um, and every time that he, you know how you, you go to, uh, um, battalion like meetings and, uh, like formations and you're like, uh, oh, fuck that. Like when, when he had a meet, uh, a formation, it's like, man, I wanted to be there just, just to, to hear it. Yeah. To what he had to say. Um, and it was, and it was awesome. You know what I mean? It definitely, it, it strove me to be a better leader. 
um, in my, in my position. Yeah. I, I look at it also from the standpoint of is you, you get, you have to understand that, um, as a, as a human, you're not truly, uh, your brain has not fully, uh, formed. And I go, that's not the correct term, but like, uh, your, your neurons have not fully myelinated, which means, you know, you're, you're not truly fully developed until you're 25 as it's like, so, and then I look at that and I'm like, man, I was making snipers when I was 21. Uh, 22. Well, when you hear that, when you hear that, when you're 21, you like, if I heard that when I was 21, I'd be fucking offended. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, you're bulletproof, right? You think you know everything. And, 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 and that's why I believe, um, uh, you know, a lot of the, t- you know, the top tier units require more older individuals because you're capable of making better decisions through experience. Um, you're obviously going to be a better leader because you've had now you, you're, you're more wise and you truly have the ability to, to have the bigger picture, the big picture view. And, um, you know, I remember I was giving a talk to a graduating class and, um, I've been talking about this for years. It's just like one of the instructors actually, it was Hawaii. It was actually, I spoke at the, I was, uh, I was a guest speaker for the last graduating class in, at the Hawaii Sniper School. Really? That was then, uh, that had been in 15 then, end of 15. Yep, it was. Yeah, it was, um, or no, it was 14. Oh, end of 14, yeah, because yes. uh, 15 is when I started in the schoolhouse. Hawaii just got closed down. Yeah, so um, uh, Master Sergeant Nichols, um, I want to say he was the OPSO out there at the time. We were to, we, we served together as young as boots together, like as oh. PFCs. And he called me, he's like, Hey man, I would really appreciate it if you come out and, and speak. This is kind of a big deal. It's the last class. So I came out and I, and I gave, I gave the students the spiel. And I remember when I, I gave them a spiel in private, right. Kind of a mentorship leadership talk. And then in the actual thing, I said, you know, you guys have to understand what it truly means to be a Marine first. And the reason that I'm talking to you about that is just from the pure mental mindset of it, because it's going to save you so much heartache in the future. If you just understand that you have to, these are certain things that you have to do. And it doesn't have anything to do with your, your ability to, to do your specific job, but you have to do these things first and do them really well. And I remember there was a gunny that was, that was working at the school and this was an E seven man. And he was like rolling his, like visibly rolling his eyes while I'm in this, giving this, this talk. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a Robbie Reedsman moment, right? This is that, this is that Robbie Reedsman moment where it's like, you need to be made an example of, because at this point in time in your career, if you're an E seven and you're rolling your eyes at somebody about that, you're the problem. And you are the reason that these, that we have a bad name, um, because you clearly don't think that that's an important enough subject, but it is right. And it's something that, that needs to be, it's a legacy, man. It's a legacy. And you are responsible for the legacy that you leave behind because that's the legacy that everybody's going to remember with the up and coming generation. It's something that needed to be, needs to be addressed because, and, and it's something that's not addressed enough, right? No. And it's one of the things that it's not like publicly out there as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that uh, 
when I was an instructor, um, some of the parting words that I would have with the students of the last you know few weeks, it's like, Hey, you know, um, congrats and stuff like that, but just keep, just remember, you know, the, the definition of Marine Corps scout sniper, you know, it, it all starts with a Marine, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're a Marine first Marine high skilled and field craft and, you know, all that stuff. But when you understand the dynamic of that definition, especially those first two words, like, you know, in order for you to be successful, you have to be a Marine first. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some, 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 uh, some students got it and some didn't, and you would hear about it, you know, at the schoolhouse, you, you kept close ties to everyone in the unit or everyone in the units surrounding, especially on the West coast, first part did, right. So, you know, what every kind of what everyone's business was up to and stuff like that. Cause, uh, Marines would come back from the schoolhouse or, you know, you would also see it in the reflection of the Marines that they would send. Yes. Right. Indeed. It's like, it's like, holy fuck, you're a shit bag. Like, <laughs> I don't like, care. I don't care like, if you made the standard. You're still like, uh, yeah. Like, like I hope that when you like as shitty as this my sound, right. Is like, I hope that like you stay on fucking post because like, you're not going to do the scout sniper community as a whole, any, any, any service or justice. Mm-hmm. If you go out there with this attitude. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's so shitty to, 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 to sound, but it's the reality, right? It's like, you know, not all of us are created equal. Not all of us, you know, have the same mindset, but for me, it's like, if I can mentor you with this podcast or whatever, or, you know, when I was an instructor, it's like, yes, to, to, to be able to like, Hey, like get your head out of your ass. Like you're, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got experience of failures and stuff like that. And this is what made me successful. And I want to show you. I'm glad you touched right? on that. I'm really glad you touched on that because we didn't have any of this shit when we were, when we were, I, I definitely didn't have it when I was up and coming. And, you know, I, I talk about it often. We've discussed it in podcasts in the past. Like, man, if I, if I knew that this was a resource available to me, like Frank's podcast or all of these other shooting podcasts out there, that's also where, you know, where, where I think that I want to be different as well in terms of the modern day sniper podcast, because this is not just about shooting. This is about leadership. This is about mentorship. Leadership. This is about personal development, growth, mindfulness, mindfulness behind the rifle. Because if I can create, if I can create a more mindful sniper, if I can create, if I can impart, if I can touch you and plant that seed now when you're, when you're young and I can get, you know, and I can mold you now, then that is what is going to change the legacy. That's what's going to change the pattern. That's where we steer the ship, right? So a lot of times we, you know, as young, as young men, we don't understand how to steer the ship. And when you're, when you're a young man, you're, you're thinking that you're just going to try to steer that ship by shoving on it with a shoulder and, and maybe an oar from the bow. And it's like, no, dude, no, that's not the way it works. You got to steer that ship from the wheelhouse. And that's where the change takes place. And in order to get to the wheelhouse, it has to be a collective. You have to be able to, you have to be able to come together as a community and you have to be able to hold everybody accountable and everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music. Um, and that's not always easier to, easy to do. That's very, it's a lot more difficult to be, to be done than it is to be said, but th- that's really, man, like, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of like the problems in the community, but 
that's the problem in the community is that there's that there's really no continuity yeah. and and that's unfortunate um and i often think i i've often thought to myself <clears throat> what would it be like now to sit with uh like a general officer at a table and have a glass of whiskey and just be like no bullshit no politics what is the deal let's talk about yep. this man to man experience to experience what's the deal and i guarantee that that conversation would be productive and that's not because i'm the, i'm not that's not because i'm saying it's because it's me having the conversation i think it's anybody that has had the opportunity to to learn and 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 be in a position um looking from the outside in to be able to have that conversation and say hey man like why why is it this way can you really tell me why it is and and how can we change yeah. how can we make it better the uh the continuity of the scout sniper community is just too far removed from the lower levels and what i mean by that is you know uh the guys that have um you know, like the Sean Hughes the Skintas and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. they're fucking legends in our community. Right. Um, but, uh, they are, um, because of their new job, it doesn't allow them to essentially, I would say, interact the way they want to with the, um, lower level of scout snipers to be able to, um, uh, mold them and, and, uh, lead them and mentor them the way they want to. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they have all these other things that they've got going on with their current billets. Although I know deep down inside, they would probably just want to stick around and hang around with that platoon. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know, um, our good friend, uh, Sean, when he was, uh, the op chief at one four, I mean, they had a killer platoon, right. Um, although he wasn't directly, you know, um, well, he was the, uh, op chief for the weapons company, but you know, although he wasn't a platoon sergeant because of, you know, his ability to be at least, you know, um, interacted with that platoon. I mean, it, 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 it showed that they were still successful, right. Because of his leadership and, and his legacy in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't have enough of that still around, you know what I mean? Well, and I also don't want every, I don't want you for the listeners out there. I don't want you to think that, that we're talking shit. Cause that's not really what we're doing. We're, we're, this is, these are, these are, this is communicating about a problem that it, we very well could be talking to the next generation of snipers, right? We could very well. So this is our turn to say, you have a chance to make an impact. You have a chance to make a positive impact on that community, but you have to come at it with the right mindset. And that's, I, I just can't stress that enough. Like you, yeah. you literally can invoke positive change. You just have to come about it. You have to come at it the right way with the right mindset, the right level of maturity and come at it with an open mind. Yep. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, I, I get super, I, it's been a, been a while since at all the time. Um, and that's one of the things I appreciate about our phone calls is it just a lot allows me to not reminisce, but, um, um, in, engage those things that I'm still passionate about. Right. Um, although I've slightly lost touch of, you know, the, the mentoring side of the house, uh, with, you know, directly mentoring and influencing Marines, you know, I, I feel like I get that, um, partially with, um, 
our podcast, right. Of, you know, the civilians and our audience, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to kind of coach them through their, their journey of becoming riflemen. You know what I mean? Um, but my heart still, I mean, it, it, uh, it belongs to the scout snipers and it's still in the community. Right. And any, uh, any of my service after the Marine Corps is still all for those guys. Um, and I hope to still, you know, uh, have a positive influence, you know, even though I'm just doing shit shooting related to be like, Hey, like, you know, don't just like rest on the fact that you're a scout sniper rest. You should always strive to try to be a master of your class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm no, like, I appreciate people calling me a master. Like I'm not nowhere near, I'm still a student of this forever ending journey. Um, and I love it. I love that I've uh, embraced, you know, the, the process of, you know, learning and, and finding out new things. Um, and I just enjoy sharing my journey with, uh, everyone uh, that follows us. Well, think about it too, from the perspective of, um, we, we living in some pretty awesome times right now with the ability to communicate and, and connect with people that we didn't have, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so that's a big deal as well. And, you know, part of this, I, I think I can speak for you too. Like, I'm really passionate about this. I'm really passionate about it because we, we are still engaged. We do, we do still talk with people inside of our community that are active and we, we can invoke positive change by just, by just having these kinds of conversations and hopefully being able to plant those seeds because that's all this is, is planting a seed. And, and the way that that seed is going to grow is just, it's got to be planted first. And the, the, the individual that it's planted inside needs to be, you know, um, a receptacle and you just got to water it and you water it through leadership. And eventually that's going to grow and it's going to, it's, it's going to uh, become a giant tree and it's going to have to, um, it's going to have firm solid roots that, that are, they're the foundation based upon everything that has, uh, that has come into your life and come into your world from a leadership perspective. And so I would just say that if it's anything that I could say, it's that if you are in a leadership role, if you are in a leadership billet right now, I can't stress enough that you might not understand it right now, but man, you have a tremendous influence, a tremendous influence. And you can either do good things with that influence or you could piss it away. It's up to you. So that, that's your choice, right? So, you know, just think about it from that perspective and and realize that um, you have a tremendous responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, this was, um, this was, I'm glad we talked about this, got it off my chest. I, I think um, we kind of steered in, you know, um, in the path of leadership, which was good um, because it, I think it, it hit all fronts of, you know, someone that is um, listening to this that has already been on that path of a scout sniper or even someone that is looking to again, join that path. I think that was the initial part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I would say the, for those that probably still didn't get a good, a true answer to, you know, that question of what it takes to be a scout sniper, uh, you know, I'll give you the black and white, like, Hey, this is the kind of pipeline that most people, and this is not public knowledge, right? Like this is something that you can't Google. Um, but you know, the, to my knowledge, and this is what it was like when I was in, in, 
I, I would say it still hasn't changed uh, because it didn't change when I was uh, um, from a boot to becoming a scout sniper instructor, which is a 10 year gap. Um, you know, you join the Marine Corps or the army as an uh, infantry MOS, right? You go through your school and stuff like that, get to your unit, your unit, every infantry battalion has a scout sniper platoon associated in supporting that unit. Right. So, you know, on the West coast, you got first Marine division, on the East coast, you've got second Marine division. But if, you know, if you're on the West coast, you've got, you know, different battalions and stuff like that and regiments. But when you get to your battalion, um, that battalion is going to have a scout sniper platoon. Right. Um, and again, I urge you to at least do a deployment with your platoon as an, a, a regular O3. It doesn't matter if you become an O311, which is a rifleman, 41, 31, whatever the case is. Um, be careful if you become a weapons Marine, because if you become too valuable of an asset as, as much of a scapegoat that might sound, you might have to stay with that, un- that, that section because of numbers. That's just, just, I mean, that's just the way it is. I've, I've, I've had several Marines that I couldn't pull because they were a number to mm-hmm. uh, the battalion. It's as shitty as it might sound, but um, your best odds are to be at 0311 over a, um, uh, a weapons MOS. Anyways, do the deployment, learn about the infantry, you know, land nav, understand the basics of it, basic infantry knowledge, you know, uh, weapon systems, uh, you know, M16, anything organic to an infantry platoon, an infantry squad, and then, you know, figure out who the snipers are, get to know them, talk to them, stuff like that. Cause at the end of the day, it's also not what, you know, it's who, you know, mm-hmm. I know sure. that, um, a lot of the guys that I recruited on my last deployment before I went to the schoolhouse, I had served directly with them attached to their company and I was able to kind of uh, interact with them and see them. And I was like, Hey, you know, when we get back from the deployment, come over to the, come over to the, uh, uh, selection, you know, uh, you would be a, a good asset or a good platoon member. And, you know, six months later, they, they show up for the five day screener. I didn't treat them any differently, right. They ran through it. Uh, but I knew what they, I already knew their work ethic. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, do the, do the selection, and then, you know, again, but when you, when you get to the selection and you graduate or you get selected, however they want to call it, it doesn't just end there. That's when the real work begins part one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get to school and then you hear the same shit over again. You go to school. And I think, I think uh, that I, I can, we can reserve another podcast for that is like totally. how to, how to be successful. I think we want to do a podcast about that, how to be a good student. That's a, that, I think yeah, that's a we, we have talked about that. That's a good, that's a great podcast topic, I think. And, and, um, I don't know, maybe we can bring guests on for that one too. I got yeah. a bunch of people that I think would be good, good to talk to about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, this was a good one. I'm glad we did this. Glad we chatted about it. Yeah. Re- reignited some, some flames there. <laughs> so, and not um, once did we, not, not once did we talk about like the fundamentals or anything right. like technical, <laughs> right? It, it's crazy. Sure. I mean, it, like, the dynamic of what we do is just, it's, it's, it's beyond just a rifle, right? It's yeah. beyond interfacing with a rifle again, mindfulness behind the rifle. I mean, that's, that's huge for, for us, I think is understanding that, you know, we're, we're more than just people that, you know, sling rounds down range. Absolutely, man. Well, this was a good conversation, Phil. I'm, I'm glad we had it and I hope you guys are doing well in Cody and, um, Likewise, getting, ready man. To, getting ready to kick off the training season. 
thanks to uh, all of our listeners. I think we're at like 66,000 downloads. 66,000 downloads, yeah, guys. 1,200 subscribers. Um, so much love to you guys. So much thanks. I appreciate every single one of you, man. Um, I love the fact that you guys are commenting. Like, it's it's so cool because like we comment, we can respond to the comments and interact with you guys. We really appreciate that, and um, we're we're just going to continue that. So thank you so much for for all the feedback. And um, I know we kind of we kind of blew our our Wednesday deadline, um, but uh, both I, I mean I was just just slammed with trying to get the online training stuff up and out. Um, we're going to record another podcast here to get back on our normal Wednesday routine. And so, um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you are able to go out and train and shoot, um, train your mind as much as you train your body and as much as you train to shoot your rifle, train your mind as well. So, yeah. And don't, and don't just like, you guys saw my posts for those that follow me on Instagram. Like, don't just be like, Oh, social practicing, social distancing. That shit is old now and played out. It's, like, tell me what you're training on. Tell me what you worked on. Tell me that you got valuable training out of that shoot rather than just, you know, sending rounds aimlessly downrange. Yep. Hashtag modern day sniper, hashtag modern day rifleman. We'll see your posts and, um, we'll, uh, we'll do our best to get back to you. Yeah. Thanks guys. All right. Take, take care guys. Again.